Trading in futures products entails significant risk of loss, which must be understood prior to trading and may not be appropriate for all investors. Please contact your account representative for more information on these risks. Past performance is not indicative of future results. If you like grain markets and other stuff, you've come to the right place. Welcome to the Grain Markets and Other Stuff Podcast. Here's your host, Joe Baklovic. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to the Grain Markets and Other Stuff Podcast. I hope I sound a little bit better today. I was fighting a cold earlier this week, trying to get back into the swing of things here. Um, if this is your first time tuning in, uh, thank you for listening. Make sure that you subscribe. Uh, this podcast or new episodes will be available uh, once to twice per week. Uh, depending on on the particular week and depending on uh, what sort of content I have to cover or just depending on what's on my mind that particular day. But um, remember, the podcast is available just about everywhere, Apple, Spotify, iTunes, I think just about every other podcast app that's out there. So make sure you subscribe and are made aware when new content is available. Title of this episode is The Crop Isn't There. And I say that sarcastically, The Crop Isn't There. How many times have we heard that particular comment over the years? I'd venture to say that I've heard it just about every year. And uh, maybe there are different degrees of the crop isn't there. You know, maybe people think that USDA's two bushels too heavy with the corn yield. Or maybe people think that USDA is 10 bushels too heavy with the corn yield. Or maybe in the instance of this year, maybe harvested acreage and yield are both too high. Um, we're going to talk about this particular conversation. We're going to talk about the implications that it could have on the markets or on your grain marketing. And we'll talk a little bit about some things you can do to maybe improve your attitude or your understanding of the situation. Farmers in general, and I'm not saying every farmer, but I'm saying that a whole bunch of farmers that I talk to and have talked to over the years are very, very guilty of what I call crop talk. Farmers love to talk about the crop, and that's your business. I don't blame you. If I was a farmer, I'd probably talk about the crop a lot too. It just so happens that this extensive talk about the crop, whether it's the crop in your own backyard, whether it's USDA's crop ratings that come out on Monday afternoons during the summer, whether it's your cousin who lives in a different state, or your friend who lives in a different county, it seems like throughout the growing season, the talk revolves almost entirely around the crop and the condition of the crop and what sort of yields are possible. What's the crop compared to last year? Is it a record crop? Is it an off crop? It just seems like there's so much focus on the crop. And then the other focus is related. The other focus is on USDA. What is the USDA's take on the crop? Is USDA right or is USDA wrong? I haven't heard very often that USDA is right. Um, and USDA, of course, has their own methods of gauging these things. Um, they've made revisions to crops uh, from previous years recently, and that's something that maybe doesn't sit well with uh, farmers or traders or analysts out there. But, you know, something that's what we've got. That's what we've got to work with. Um, they do their job the, the best way that they know how, and uh, it, it's we don't have better data than that, so you've got to get over that notion. USDA is wrong. Well, who cares? They, they may not be wrong. In fact, a lot of the uh, 
uh, private numbers that I've seen this year, the survey-based stuff. Uh, it's not all that different than what USDA's put out there in regard to, say, the 2019 corn crop. Um, so, you know, the argument right now, as I sit here today, we've got real strong corn bases, uh, historically strong corn bases, and we've got some of the best cash prices in the corn market that we've seen in many years uh, for this given time of year. So the the argument, I think there's two arguments out there. I think the primary argument is that the crop isn't there, meaning that the crop is light. We know it's light. USDA told us it's light. We were down, what, 5 or 6% last year was what their final uh, production number told us. And um, the argument is that the crop isn't there, and, and that's why the basis is so good, and that the futures are trading the USDA numbers, but the cash market's trading reality. That's your first argument. The second argument is that, oh, the farmers just got this MFP payment. They have no incentive to sell. They've got plenty of cash. I think what you need to do is stop focusing on the why. Why does it matter why basis is strong? Why does it matter why futures are at 392 today and not at 420? It doesn't matter why. What matters is how you can take what's going on and turn it into an advantageous situation for you. It's almost to me like right now people are complaining about strong basis, which is kind of an odd complaint when you think about it. It's actually the best setup you could possibly have, especially if you're a hedger. The best setup you could possibly have if you're a hedger is that you're short the corn futures, they go down, and the cash market's still 20 cents better than that. That's a phenomenal situation. But for some reason, I feel like people are almost complaining about this like this is a bad thing. It's not a bad thing. Strong basis is a good thing. The person that this hurts in all of this is uh, the end user or the cattle feeder or someone who has to buy corn who may have been hedged on the board and still ends up paying that premium because the basis is so good. That's who gets hurt. For the farmer, this is this is great. I mean, I don't, I don't see what the argument is here. I don't see what the complaint is. So again, what what happened this year? I'll tell you what happened in the market. The corn market went to $4.70 in June and went to three fifty by September. We were still planting corn in June. Farmers added a whole bunch of acreage because the market told them to, and then the market fell apart. And the yields weren't that great. The yields were off versus last year. We all know that. The acreage was up because the market told the farmer to plant the extra acreage, and the farmer did plant the extra acreage. Now, could the argument be right at the end of the day? Is USDA wrong in their numbers? That may very well be the case. I'm not saying that that's impossible. It it may very well be reality. USDA may come in here in any of these reports during the next month, two months, three months. It may be in September like it was this past year, and USDA finally comes in and adjusts the size of the crop. I'm not saying that that's an impossibility. In fact, I, I think it's very possible. I think it's almost likely, given the fact that you've got so much corn still in the field in the northern part of the country. But I don't know how that, I don't know how arguing with the government or, or consistently pounding on the idea that the government's wrong is going to help you. You've got a fantastic corn basis. What do you do with that? A lot of people are going to write basis contracts. That's a pretty popular 
pretty popular thing to do right now. And I'm not going to say that that's a wrong thing to do. I mean, I, w- I would definitely make the argument that uh, the basis risk is probably to the downside here rather than to the upside. What about the futures? So we've got all these basis contracts. A lot of them are probably for March or for March, you know, versus March futures. Um, makes me a little bit worried about the futures market as we get closer to first notice day, because as we've seen so many times ahead of a major delivery period, futures can sell off into the delivery period because the board, the market knows, the market knows that there's a lot of cash corn that has to be priced or rolled ahead of that period. So that, that concerns me a little bit. If everybody's writing a basis contract, um, it were, it, it, uh, makes me a little bit concerned about the board. It does just because of, just because of that implication, because the, the market knows that there's all these basis contracts out there. They know that the farmer is going to be forced to sell at the end of February or forced to roll it, which in a carry market like this is not necessarily a great option. Um, but in any case, I think the, the take home here is this farmers are too focused on the production side. In many cases, I'm not saying I'm not saying all of you are, are too focused on the production side, but I would venture to say it's the majority and say the majority is too heavily focused on the production side, not nearly focused enough on the demand side. There are two sides to the balance sheet, supply and demand. And you know what happened? I talked about the rally that occurred over the summer. We ran corn to four dollars and 70 cents. You know what happened during that time frame? We killed our export program out of this country. Killed it. We're probably not going to recover. USDA, in all likelihood, is going to be forced to reduce that export projection again and again. And we're going to be left with more bushels on the balance sheet come August 31st. That's that's the most likely scenario here, the way that I see it. Now, again, could the government come back and, and, and change the size of the crop at any point in time here? Sure, they could. If there was ever a year to do it, it's probably this year. 2019 was an extraordinary year from a crop production standpoint. We had weather that we've never seen. We had late plantings like we've never seen. Um, a lot of things happened that were really kind of unprecedented. So if if the government were to come in and make some sort of adjustment down the road, that would not surprise me in the least. But I'm not going to bet on that. I'm not going to say that that's my marketing plan. My marketing plan is that the government's going to change their numbers. That's your marketing plan. That's the worst marketing plan I've ever heard. Nobody can predict these markets. I'm going to say it again. I'm going to, I'm, I think I'm going to make it a rule that in every episode of this podcast, I have to say that nobody can predict the markets. You know what? You may even get into this scenario. The government may adjust their crop lower and the market may not go up. What if that happens? It's happened before. I don't know what's priced into this thing. A lot of people like to say, and, I, and I, like I said earlier, that you know the market, the futures market trades the USDA numbers, or the large speculators, the funds, they trade the USDA numbers. That that may be true. That may be true. The cash market's trading the real numbers. The cash market's trading what's really out there. That may be true too. But you've got to consider as as a farmer at the end of the day, how does this all affect you? Strong basis is great. Strong cash market is great. Strong demand for your crop is great. That's a great thing. 
My fear would be that if you do get the rally in the futures, that your basis starts to back off. And again, I, I go back to the idea that the downside risk and the risk in basis is probably to the downside. If, if I had to make a guess, is basis going to get a whole lot better from here when we're at, at multi-year highs in basis? Is it going to get a whole lot better? It could get better. Does it get a whole lot better from here? I, I don't know if I'd bet on that. I'd probably say your basis risk is to the downside and that if the crop's not there, if that's the story, eventually the basis is going to correct itself and get back to a more normal level and maybe you'll see it reflected in the board. It's just something I've seen a lot of circulate recently in newsletters from market advisors, television shows, academics. Everybody's guilty of it. I'm not going to say that I haven't been guilty of it in certain years, but the longer I do this, the less I care about my own opinions regarding the crop. It's never done me any good. Trying to outguess USDA has never done me any good. I've said on, on this podcast before, there, I'd say in, in 75% of all instances, if I were to give you the USDA report ahead of the numbers, you may still not be able to make money trading it. It's very difficult to say what's priced into this market. I don't waste my time personally sitting around trying to fiddle with these balance sheets. It, it's never done me any good. There are people at it in the business who are probably a lot better at it than me, and maybe they've had more success than me. But as a farmer, I don't think it needs to be that complicated for you. I've said it before. There are two things that really matter to you at the end of the day. What's the price? How does it relate to your cost of production? Are you profitable or are you not profitable? Can you lock in a profit or can you not lock in a profit? All this other stuff is just noise. It's noise. There's so much noise out there. So much garbage out there. So many people sticking to this narrative that they've been sticking to for seven months now that the crop isn't there. When the market, the futures market at least, has proven them wrong. I hope they're right. I hope they're right at the end of the day, but I'm not betting on it. I'm not betting on it. I'm really not. And keep in mind, this is January. We're, we're approaching the end of January here. I mean, there can be some great marketing opportunities in this period between now and planting. Um, so if the market were to rally here, would that surprise me? No. But this is a broader scale conversation. And, and the take home from this broader conversation is this. As a grain marketer, as a farmer, you've got to start paying I'm not going to say pay less attention because it's probably impossible, but when you're making your marketing decisions, start to consider things other than the size of the crop, the size of your crop, the size of your friend's crop, the the size of, of the estimate that the private group put out on the news wires. It just doesn't, it's not what matters to you. It affects what matters to you, but what matters to you, again, margins, that's the deal. That's the deal. Try not to focus on it so much. I want to tell you guys, I've had a great response to the podcast so far. I'm happy about it. We've had thousands of downloads just here in the first uh, three weeks. And uh, I expect at the rate rate I'm going now, uh, we'll be looking at tens of thousands of downloads in uh, in the next couple of months. So I'm excited for the future. I'm excited to keep uh, running these things once or twice a week. 
Um, please subscribe if you haven't already. Um, I think that this should be a nice resource for you, hopefully. I hope I'm covering topics that you find interesting. If you have questions that you'd like me to answer on the podcast, I'd, I'd love to do a little bit of question and answer. Um, either tweet at me at Standard Grain on Twitter or send me an email to info at standardgrain.com and uh, I'll get to your questions on the podcast. That's the nice thing about a podcast. I have, I have no time constraint. I could sit here and talk all day if I wanted to. Go to standardgrain.com. Click on Grain Marketing Plan. Check out my subscription service. If you are looking for a grain marketing plan, you're seeking to improve your grain marketing plan this year, you're looking for a level-headed approach, get on my newsletter, get on my text message service. 49 bucks a month is what it costs. You can cancel it at any time. There's no obligation. There's no per acre fee. Of course, I handle brokerage business. If you need a broker, you need help with your futures and options trading, that's what I do the majority of my day all day. But start off with that newsletter. Get yourself going in the, in the right direction here. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you next time.